Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. Before you start listening, make an announcement that our first book, Growing Your Program for School Counselors, is now available. You can order it on Amazon or other major book retailers. If you order it right this minute, maybe it'll be on your porch by the time this episode is over. We would love to see a picture of you reading it in your favorite reading spot, so tag us on social media. And when you're finished reading it, and only if you love it, leave a review on Amazon. I'm Laura Rankhorn. And I'm Kim Crumbly, and together we are Counselor Accents. We're in a new location today. We're actually doing some training. Yes, and we stepped away to record a podcast episode that we have been wanting to record for a little bit. And we weren't going to miss it. it. We just walked away and said, we're sorry, we're missing this yeah. meeting, but this is too important. So we have just recorded it and now we are doing the intro, which we don't usually do, but we, there are some things, this is going to be a tough one to listen to. And we just wanted to give you that warning on the front end. Um, there, we will be talking about suicide today and um, it's really difficult because we've heard the story and it was all we could do during the recording to hold it together. So, you know, this, a lot of times we hear people say that they've had to pull over because they're laughing so hard. This is going to be one of those episodes where you may have to pull over and take a deep breath um, because it's going to be tough. And just, you know, pre-warning that if this is, you know, if you're going through a rough time or you've dealt um, maybe with situations, this, this might be a trigger for you, then you might want to pass on this episode. But we do want to say that we feel like the message is so powerful and that as school counselors, we've had to deal with um, a lot of school counselors have had to mm-hmm. deal with suicide and it comes in with, it comes in different situations and through yeah. different circumstances. And so this is just an important message. We are so honored to have Brian Montgomery with us today. Um, I heard your story on a podcast that I was listening to one morning when I was getting ready for work. And I believe I stopped right then and called you, Kim, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. said, oh my goodness, you've got to hear this and we've got to get him on our podcast. And so I'm just very grateful that you said absolutely. And um, you were eager to join us and we're very grateful for that. So um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. You know, it's it's kind of odd to even say that with, you know, the topic. But, um, you know, we're just a normal family. We live just outside of Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, kids go to Starkville Academy, uh, private school here in town. We've got four kids, uh, my wife and I, my wife's named Courtney. Um, you know, we, we're, our profession is in ag. Uh, we farm, I sell crop insurance, um, just love the outdoors. Our kids love the outdoors, uh, athletics. Uh, my girls, I've got uh, two girls, Caroline and Sarah. Sarah's our youngest. Uh, Caroline's our oldest. And then Walker and Bennett are our middle. Walker was 16 and Bennett's uh, 13. So um, really a, a very normal family, I think. It's, I mean, we, Courtney and I really gave a lot of effort to trying to um, just really be a normal family, you know, try to raise kids in church, try to raise them with manners, try to raise them with work ethic. Um, feel like we put all that we did, we put all that we have and continue to put a lot of effort in that. Um, and so, I mean, the reason that I'm here today is because we lost uh, Walker to suicide uh, due to pressures brought on from sex extortion. Uh, so, you know, it's a, a 
criminal trend that's kind of coming to the top of the line this in the past year or so. It's been around for several years, but uh, it really was on a huge increase in the last 12, 18 months. And it's it was something that we had never heard of, had no perception of it. Walker had never heard of it. Um, and this all happened uh, December the 1st of this past year. So just um, coming up on eight months ago. And um, yeah, so through that, I mean, I guess to, to put it into a perspective of why we're having this conversation, you know, we've really tried to take in a, an effort to um, make other parents and teachers and law enforcement and friends and family and teenagers and whoever will listen aware, you know, whoever will listen aware of the trap that's been set for them and some of the dangers that are out there for uh, technology, social media, Internet. Um, it's different than our generation. I'm 47 years old, and obviously there's a lot, a lot's changed since we came up through school. And uh, so we're, you know, typically since this happened and since we learned what happened, um, I guess the thing that kind of launched us into this conversation once we learned the reason Walker did what he did because we knew it was so far out of character for him. Uh, I mean, this kid was, uh, I mean, just all American kid. I mean, he loved football. We loved it. We hunted together, spent hours together. Our family, uh, my wife put, put all our kids to bed every night, prayed with them. I mean, just, um, I wish there was some reason that there was that you can make sense of this, but it doesn't make sense. And, um, you know, so all that being said, we really, uh, saw that, God was leading us to make other people aware of it. And uh, we were, uh, I had a friend that led me to a conversation, was able to be on Fox News with Dana Perino uh, not long after we found out what happened. And that really started the wheels moving to be on programs just like yours to try to spread awareness. And since then, we've done a lot of, I've done a lot of speaking engagements with mostly, you know, teams, um, churches, schools, um, Anywhere somebody will really listen that it can make a difference. We try to try to say yes. So that's that's kind of the background of, of the conversation, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. As a school as the school counselors and other educators listening to this, I think this is I can in the courage and the strength just listening to you, but I know that's coming from your faith and that you, you know that this is your ministry and you're gonna be helping other families and kind of the, I feel like you're touching on the stigma too because I think so many times we stigmatize that the certain kind of kid that um, will commit suicide and I think it it is we need to realize that that is not uh, there's not one group that we can say is safe from this so uh, can I don't know how much you feel comfortable telling us your story but could you take us back mm -hmm. to you do feel comfortable telling us about what yeah happened? Yeah, so I'll tell you kind of the, the whole story. I mean, it's, this is, I think, the, the difficult thing about this for us is that uh, this wasn't a pattern. This wasn't a long-term issue Walker had been dealing with. I mean, literally, uh, the night of, I mean, the afternoon of November 30th was normal. Uh, he went to school, uh, worked out at school, came home, worked out at home. Um, his brother and I went hunting that afternoon. Uh, Courtney, my wife, was here. We ate supper together as a family. Uh, just hung out around the, the dinner table talking about it the day we kind of joked went around with him. He just, he'd just gotten his driver's license. Um, within a few weeks, I got him a truck and it was a, you know, a nice truck, but it just had street tires and, you know, just wasn't a, what a teenager's truck, right? So we talked about he wanted to, he wanted big tires and wanted to jack his truck up. And we were, you know, I was picking at him about that, but, um, 
I mean, nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Cause it, and it wasn't, there was no red flags because there weren't any red flags that hadn't occurred yet. And so, um, you know, we all went to bed, um, perfectly normal, uh, went to bed just like you will tonight. And I will tonight without any expectation of, of problems. And sometime around midnight, right at midnight uh, on December the 1st, Walker received a message through Instagram uh, from someone that was posing to be a teenage girl and uh, just struck up a conversation, normal conversation, nothing out of the way for a while. Uh, you know, where do you go to school? Looks like you play football. I mean, they'd done their homework on who Walker was and had enough conversation points, you know, to be able to get that conversation moving. Very attractive young, you know, 16 year old girls, way it looked. Um, that led to her convincing Walker to, uh, have a, open up a video chat and in Instagram, which led to what you would, I guess you would, uh, terminate the terminology would be cyber sex. Uh, they, you know, there was this episode between them Walker was watching her. She was watching Walker. At least he thought that's what was going on. Um, during that period of time from the other side, they were videoing Walker, um, through with a secondary device. So, it wasn't like, you know, we started this Zoom call, you know, I saw, hey, your video, and it wasn't like that. It was, you know, they were using another phone or some kind of other device to video him. And once that was over, the pressure immediately started. Uh, they wanted money. Um, I, I, You know, and I, I always try to bring people that I'm telling the story into a reality of trying to see uh, yourself in this situation. Because, you know, when I first – you know, when I, we first kind of learned of it, it's like, come on, Walker, how'd you, how'd you fall for that? You know, how did this drive you to do this? But when you really think about it, and I think even as adults, even more so as adults, we should be able to think back to a time where we were in a private setting by ourselves, thought we were by ourselves, and imagine that private, embarrassing moment was on video. And I mean, especially us as adults should be able to relate to that. And the mistake Walker made was obviously trusting somebody that he didn't know and had any connection to and just naive, right? He didn't understand the dangers. Um, so, you know, that very moment, I think Walker just – the the pressure of that all of a sudden, he knew that it wasn't just a picture. That's what this gets kind of positioned as a bunch is a picture. You know, somebody took a picture of their privates and sent it to somebody else and – it wasn't what this was at all. I mean, this was Walker on video, um, and I'll let the listener use their imagination, but we can all imagine what that looked like. And um, it was more than just a picture. And that embarrassment, that shame, that threat of everybody that he loved and cared about and respected, seeing that all of a sudden that became, I mean, a threat to Walker's life. Um, because And so... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, this other person was, did they threaten to send it out or what? Were, what yeah. Were so that, so that what, I mean, basically the threat was, is look, uh, you give us a thousand dollars, we're going to send it to everybody in your Instagram list. And Instagram is unique. We can talk later about this, but in that you don't have to be friends. You don't have to be connected at all for them to see all of your followers and all of your people that you're connected to uh, their addresses, so to speak. Um, and so they, 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 they document all that before they ever get to this point. So, um, they're, they're fussing back and forth. You can imagine that conversation walkers telling them they can't do this. It's against the law. They're saying, you know, we're going to send it to everybody and, and your whole life will be over. And just, the, I mean, the, the mountain, literally the mountain of stress that Walker became under instantly is unimaginable, uh, really. 
And so that, that led to eventually they started sending him screenshots of their outbox in Instagram where they were sending the video to people that he knew, people in his Instagram list. Um, he didn't know it, but they weren't sending them. They were just showing screenshots of him, of them sending them, but he, they weren't actually sending the videos. Um, but he didn't know that. I mean, he, he just, as far as he could tell that those messages were going out and, um, and so he was begging them to stop, begging them to quit. Uh, he's telling them, I don't have any money, you know, uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for us as his parents. Cause I mean, if that would have gotten him through the night, if we could have gotten him to the next day, we would have seen the stress on him. We would have figured it out. Right. But, um, he, he, he so, I mean, looking back, I was like, walk away and just pay him, just figure out a way to pay him, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, once Walker, uh, they started going down the list of people they were sending this video to that as far as he knew. And um, they got to Walker's mom and, um, you know, Walker and his mom got a really special relationship. And, um, you know, I can only imagine that embarrassment that thought that when he woke up the next morning, when he, when he got up the next morning, and met his mom downstairs, that she was going to have seen this video, you know, and uh, at that point, Walker told him, said, I'm going to kill myself. And, um, you know, they didn't say, no, don't do that. You know, we really hadn't sent the pictures or the videos. You know, if you don't give us money, we're going to. You know, it wasn't any of that. It wasn't anything like, if you don't get it by tomorrow, you know, get the money tomorrow. I mean, so, I mean, you think from just a business transactional perspective, you know, they would have let up some when they thought that he may actually do that, but they didn't. They, their, their response was, go ahead, because you're already dead anyway. And um Shortly after that, the conversation, they terminated the conversation. Walker tried to make contact with them a couple of other times, um, and they pretty much stopped communicating with him. I guess they were convinced that they weren't going to get their money, and they were, you know, the pressure of that, they knew that they had him under pressure at that point. And so at some point after that, um, the conversation lasted about two hours between them. And um, sometime between then and when we found him the next morning, Walker went into my office and, and went into my safe and got a handgun and went back up to his room and, and took his own life. Um, that timeline is not exact, but we think that sometime three, four o'clock in the morning is um, kind of the time frame when Walker did it. So, you know, as you can imagine, um, we get up the next morning, just a normal, typical morning to us. And um, Walker's mom goes up, Courtney goes up to the, boys' rooms. Uh, Bennett is on one end and Walker's on the other, wakes up Bennett and goes into Walker's room and, and finds him there. So that's. This is one of the hardest stories I've, I've ever had to hear. And your courage, um, I, I can't begin to tell you as educators how having a parent to make that real for us and to tell that story it's going to do great and wonderful things. I promise you it's for, it's not for naught, but I am so angry at the, did, did any, did anybody catch the criminals that did this? I mean, um, not yet. So it's a process, obviously I will tell you that, um, the, I've been extremely impressed with our, with our FBI, you know, you, the FBI thinks, I think it's a lot of really negative press, but from our perspective, seeing how they've reacted to this, um, you know, 
part of my motivation for wanting to be public about what we're doing is I felt like that would be, that would bring more pressure to the case for us, something to happen, you know, and I I don't know that that's, I mean, I think we were, I I don't know that that, I think it probably always does just something that's more public like that. But uh, the FBI agent that that intercepted Walker's case, um, she's phenomenal. I mean, just a great person. She, I mean, she relates to this just like it was her own, her own son uh, has, her effort has been extraordinary. I'll say that. And so um, to say that nobody's been arrested yet, but I believe I'm firm. I have firm belief that we're going to end up with somebody to, to hold accountable for this. Good. And I hope so. Um, I just, I can't process the short amount of time that this happened in, you know, and that there were no signs. Um, this is a new one for us really to think about because, you know, normally we, we tell people to look for the signs and, um, we do know it's in the moment. I mean, we do know that sometimes there can be a catalyst and this, you just, this was a catalyst and, and he had, you know, I can see when you're talking about this, all the pieces, this is different in that almost. Well, at the beginning, with it's a child, and it's a child's brain, and we right. always have to remember right. that you know, a child's process. brain is not completely developed. And then, when you think about somebody preying on a child, and the it, it's you know it's it's child abuse. No matter how you you I mean, the bottom line is is that is that these people were abusing a child, and um. To we, for the first time, and you said something earlier about how this has escalated over the last twelve or eighteen months. Mm-hmm. And we were at a meeting in Atlanta. We're in Alabama, and we met some folks who, for the first time, we took some materials. And I don't remember the group who was doing that, but stuff to hang up in the bathroom stalls where the kids could see it. And it's like, mm-hmm. if this is happening to you, so this is happening enough now that it was the national yeah. missing. <clears throat> children it was it was paperwork about being blackmailed if you're being blackmailed. so yeah i I think that um you know it's going back to the one night and that's something that's a challenge you know when i knew that we were going to do this podcast you know from a counselor's perspective and i know we're going to get into some of those specific questions but even from a law enforcement i've I've met with law enforcement groups i've met with uh all types of prevention groups you know and and it's it's tough because the there is nothing a counselor, there's nothing a teacher, there's nothing a, a a policeman, an FBI agent, there's nothing anybody could have done apart from preventing it from happening and awareness. And so, you know, there's not a sign. And, and the reason I say that is so so one interesting thing about you know we we were I mean once this happened we were like okay what's going on in Walker's life that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, we this don't a kid don't go to bed happy and do this. I mean, this is not right. And so um, we were able the same way they found out where the you know, it was from Nigeria is where these people came from. Uh, same way they found out all that information is where they looked. They looked at Pilford through Walker's phone, every conversation, every photo. I mean, they, they've got the software to retrieve all that. And so, you know, looking at everything in his history and there was never, ever anything in Walker's conversations that would infer that he was dealing with anything psychologically, no uh, depression, nothing. I mean, he was perfectly happy. 
went to bed living his best life. And that's really hard for us to understand. But what I want people to hear is that this, this has the capacity to flip a switch in a teenage boy, specifically his brain, that we don't understand. We don't understand how that pressure can cause somebody to do this. And Walker, I believe, was unique. I mean, I'm his daddy, so I know I'm biased. But Walker was Walker was very um, he was very concerned about how adults viewed him. He we I mean, I've always held our family to a high standard. We work hard, we play hard, we have fun together. But our perspective of you know, Walker would walk up to you in a room and he would he would speak to you. He would look you in the eyes. He, you know, if you were a man, he would shake your hand. He was polite. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, I mean, every year we'd get responses from his teachers. We just love having Walker. We love him in our class. He loves all other kids. He's polite. He does his work. Uh, but he was still socially active. He had lots of friends. Lots of people loved Walker. And I think what I'm telling, describing all this to you because – you know, we saw that we built that in Walker. We worked with Walker. We and all the rest of our kids are the same way. And and we thought that we saw that as a huge strength in our society. And I still believe that. I'm not backing up from that. But in this particular situation, it became a weakness, a huge that. weakness, because Walker saw all of that and saw how people were going to see him. Now that became an important part of who Walker was. Mm-hmm. Became an p- important part of his. Of, of his just identity. And so when Walker saw this happen, that he just, he believed what that, he believed the lie. This person was telling him that your life is over. I mean, there's, I mean, he told him, he said, everybody, everybody in the world's going to know who you are because I'm going to send this to everybody. And, and I think that stress and that pressure, Walker was uniquely situated to respond the way he did. And I think, and that's, how is that fair? It's not fair that, you know, a good kid is more susceptible than, I'm not going to say a bad kid, because I know there's not good and bad kids. There's just kids that, that that have struggled more, that have had more pressure in life and have had more difficulties and disappointments in life. Those kids are not going to be as, sub, as subjective to, subjected to this, this threat as, as some other kids would be. So, um yeah. So I, anyway, I mean, the point around one night, it's it's extremely scary for the power that this can bring um, and the damage it can cause. And that's why this is so powerful. And and I think <laughs> what educators and school counselors do, I think this just reminds us that we do need to have those conversations with kids and just keep that message and offer those helps if those things do happen. And I was totally hearing what you're saying. if if you have set certain expectations as a parent that this is as we should, but that I see what you're saying. Like I have now, I've now crossed this line and how am I as a child in his brain and in that Mm -hmm. situation, how am I ever going to write this? Whereas another kids who, who's, who may have gone through a lot, you know, their parents may not care, you know, they, they feel that and they might be able maybe to, Stand, but just having those conversations with kids about there is a way out. Mm-hmm. There is a way out. Uh, I'm yep. thinking your other, your other kids and how this has as as educators and school counselors. And we're just thinking about that school family. This doesn't doesn't just uh, you guys are of course the epicenter. So this is this is rocking your world at a level that I can't even imagine. But I can imagine that from just meeting you, 
what you probably mean yeah. to your community and what your family probably means to your community. So what have you what have you seen as the aftershocks of this from a community school uh, standpoint? Yeah, I mean, so I would say that obviously our our the, the closest circle of that is our immediate family, you know, Walker's brothers and sisters. Um, you know, Caroline and Walker were really close. Um, Caroline's now 19, Walker was 16. So uh, brother and sister, um, you know, she struggled. She was in uh, community college playing softball uh, when this happened. And um, that was a couple hours away from home. Uh, she came home. Um, so, you know, she, I mean, obviously the the stress and pressure from us, you know, her parents having her away would have been really, really difficult, but her being away from us would have made it very difficult too. So she came home um, and, you know, it's, it's the, I would say Bennett, uh, his younger brother, they, you know, they shared the upstairs. I mean, they're brothers, but you know, they were close. Uh, you know, they, they loved each other and did a lot of stuff together. It's, it's a lot of confusion if that makes sense in, in the, in the inner family. Uh, of how this is real. I mean, it just it seems like it's something you're watching on TV. Yeah. Um, and then I would say, you know, our our immediate friendship community and the kids that went to school with Walker, um, you know, I think, I mean, I've talked to a lot of parents that, you know, because we call, I mean, we're now asking parents to, I mean, we really want to affect change. And that change yeah. means that viewing the cell phone and the technology differently than we did before. And yeah. um, so, I mean, I've got, we've got people that were in Walker's inner circle of friends that have said, you know, you would think they would be resistant to, you know, leaving their phone in their parents' bedroom at night, but they're not. They're, they understand. I mean, because they've been immediately affected. And, and I mean, they knew right away that, you know, their friend, his friends were like, Walker, there's no way he did this. I mean, they were talking to him the day before he was, I mean, he, they were having a big time, no problems. I mean, it just, because there weren't any problems at that time. I mean, that's, and that's what's hard for, hard to understand. I think that, um, our community, I mean, they've been great for us. I mean, they've been there for us every step of the way, um, you know, and loved on us and just done what they could. Uh, you know, I think that anybody, it doesn't matter how close or how far, when you see this happen, you've got us, if, if you've got empathy for other people and you have a, a sense of relationship, you can see how this is not something that just happens to some other people. This could happen to any of us. And so I think that's what I can see more than anything is parents and teens realizing that something we need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, I think making, I think we hear things and we know this is horrible and we know it goes on, but the storytelling is always what, um, so, so by you doing this, by you telling your story, it's, it's in our brain, it's just next level for us. And that makes it, it makes it tangible. It makes it real. And I think it it encourages us more as educators to make sure that we are helping kids to understand the way out because this isn't going away. It is yeah. escalating mm -hmm. and it can happen to any, any child, any, anybody could have this happen to them. And kids are, are, are kids. They make mistakes and to find people preying on right. that. So we just, you know, I, I think, Anybody listening to that, um, you may know of other things to reach out to, but as Laura said, the National uh, Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Yeah, they have materials that yeah. are there. For 
Uh, can you think of anything? They do. Yeah, they've, 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 they've got a hotline that, you know, we've made, um, and I would, I would suggest we put that, you know, that that's on the um, National Center for Exploited Missing Children's okay. website. Uh, there's a hotline there. Um, and, and, you know, I think that as educators and counselors and people that are going to be interacting with kids on a regular basis, you know, you always got to try to think what, okay, what, what did lead to this? What led to, and, and something that, uh, you know, I told you we had a complete understanding of the conversations on Walker's telephone and what, you know, what, what he was up to. You know, I think that's the best sense that we can get for a kid and what's behind what you see every day is those are those communications. And uh, again, Walker was perfectly healthy. And the only thing that was present on Walker's phone that as his dad, I would have had issues with was pornography. And it wasn't, it wasn't like Walker was a porn addict, but he was a 16 year old boy with, and I, I talk, we talk about that quite a bit in, in the context of it's not fun to talk about. It's not, it's not, especially in our society, we have, we have really suppressed that conversation as an innocent activity that uh, we all did as men. I'm not going to speak for the ladies, but for as men, you know, when I talk about our generation, you know, that, those were magazines, those were a friend that had access to that. It was, it was those kinds of things. Um, and those are difficult conversations, but when we're sending teenage boys to bed at night with unlimited access to that content, you know, and, and I'm going to take that on myself as a dad, you know, I looked at it the same way probably my dad looked at it, which is, you know what, that's, that's not a big deal. It's, it's not good. Shouldn't be doing it as a Christian the way we look at women should not be that way. Um, but it's not the end of the world. That's the way I looked at it. And that's not the right way to look at it anymore. Um, this there, I mean, basically what's happened is are the bad guys have figured out that this is the way to, to enter into a kid's life, especially a teenage boy's life through that world. And it's not innocent. It's not, I mean, these people are out to get whatever they can get. And so bringing that conversation, those are difficult conversations. Those are not fun conversations. Those are taboo conversations. But especially when we talk about it in the school, in the church, uh, those, those are conversations mom and daddies are supposed to have just with those kids. But I'm telling you that I don't think that's sufficient anymore. It's not sufficient that we don't bring the real issues up. And, you know, what are, what are, what are the things that a young man are gonna, is going to be going through from you know, 11, 12 till he's 47, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, that's the truth. And, and we don't want to talk about those things, but um, you know, I believe Walker thought he was just one step deeper into that world um, as, you know, quote unquote, innocent as it was. Uh, he didn't realize that there was um, somebody, there was a predator using that world to get to him. I'm glad that you brought the the, the pornography uh, up because we're dealing with it as school counselors now, and we're dealing with it earlier and mm -hmm. earlier. And I've even uh, had a student in lower grades, like third grade, uh, who yeah. asked, came and asked, "Do I have an addiction and I need help?" And we have had a speaker on before on our podcast before, and she talked about seeing students, children now who. Uh, they're in this porn world is early in early, you know, early in their childhood, and and they're seeing these kids have signs of a child that's been sexually molested, and it's through 
that porn and it's so accessible. It comes up even when you're not looking looking for it, even when you've done all the right things to fix it's there. And so you're right. We are not doing enough to have those conversations. It is almost like you're saying it's kind of the way we look at it as, as adults, it's a rite of passage, but I, unless you know, this is, this phone is with, with these kids at all times. It's Mm -hmm. what would we have done growing up? If, would we have had the strength as children to not look at those things? And I, we're expecting, you know, it might, like you said, might be the occasional magazine or the occasional, you had the three channels, like something might come up, Mm. but it wasn't easily accessible. And so just imagine children walking around with this accessibility and, and we wonder why we're having all these issues in some of it, what it can do to the child's brain. And I know just myself, I'm not doing enough in this conversation. I'm realizing that if a student comes to me and asks, which how many times does that happen? I've had one. I've, we've dealt with it because we they're, they're on it at school, even with all of our safeguards right. on it but to to be preemptive i guess and start having those conversations and just it i don't think we can afford to tiptoe around because it's it's we ex- can't and it, it's too it's it's not well there's there's multiple layers there and so i mean we're talking about specifically in this case pornography but we're, I mean, let's just talk about inappropriate content for somebody under the age of start with 18, but there's different levels of that, right? All the way from little mm-hmm. kids, middle mm-hmm. teens, right? Um, things that they can understand and things they can they can process. Um, and so there's two sides of it. One is a, as a parent, how do I provide oversight? And my tools to do that are very limited. And we're not putting this horse back in the stable when it comes to technology and social media. And that's not going back. It's not. And so and so just simple um, avoidance and saying, I'm not going to get my kid a phone until they're 20. I mean, that's just not reality. Um, there's going to be tons of disadvantages if they don't engage in technology um, at, a, at an early age in our society. So uh, there's laws already in place. We go back to pornography. So, I mean, I mean, if a kid's under 18 years old, he's not supposed to look at it. But yet we have no safeguard to prevent that. The people that are producing the content are not protected against that. Well, why do we think that is? Because they want kids addicted as young as possible. I'm not, look, I don't get paid by them, so I don't care. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling it like it is. And we don't want to have these hard conversations. But this is the truth there. I mean, that industry is doing everything they can do to suppress research and studies showing the damage that it causes. Why do you think they're doing that? Because it's a ton of money there and there are a ton of participants in that world and so um mississippi just passed a law that is requiring uh some authentication of id to enter into those sites um louisiana passed a law like that and so there's a legislative side that we've got to acknowledge i mean legislatively at one point we decided that anybody under the age of 21 uh couldn't drink alcohol well, the reason we did that was because we knew well, two two reasons. One, we knew that kids couldn't were weren't responsible enough to drink alcohol and be able to deal with the potential consequences of that. We we learned that. Um, the other thing that it brings value to is as parents and leaders in our communities, it gave us a place to stand firm that 
okay, you're 17 years old. You don't need to be drinking alcohol, one, because it's not good for you, but two, because the law says it's not legal. So that's a, that's a, that's a foundation for me as a parent to stand on and say, not yet. Um, why should we see these other aspects any differently? And so what I mean by that is we're looking at, we're really working hard in the social media space, the tech space to start to hold them accountable to what they feed to our kids in content, because that's where it starts. It's not think that a kid all of a sudden just wakes up one day and goes off into a porn site. If you look at TikTok or Instagram or any of the others, it doesn't take long for them to figure out that you're a man, that you like certain things and it starts to feed you those things. Well, why just look at that whenever you can pull up Safari and look at anything you want to look at? And there's no prohibition. So it's a process that they take you through to get you to where they want you. And what I mean by, I mean, I, I understand that it's not these sinister people sitting in the back corner that are just saying, hey, how can we destroy the world? It's a financial driver uh, for their industry. Right. And, and uh, unfortunately, our kids are the ones that are paying that price and going to pay the price at a high level long term. Wow. So as if we wanted to get on the advocacy side, um, tell us what we could do as educators to start advocating maybe to our legislators. I mean, where, where do you think we can start? Yeah. So um, today the, so we are promoting the kids online safety act, uh, Senator Blackburn out of Tennessee and Senator Blumenthal are the two sponsors of that bill. Um, I mean, it's a bipartisan bill. We're up to, should be up to about 40 co-sponsors on that bill. It simply puts, it requires tech companies, the burden, the duty of, of to prevent the, they have a duty of harm prevention in what they send out. So meaning they got to determine, hey, this is a kid. If a kid is on their site, they can't send certain content. They have to make aware that they're, they're promoting this algorithm that, I mean, we know of kids that, in some of the work groups that I'm in that have the kid, you know, his girlfriend broke up with him. And so he goes on TikTok and he looks at, he searches, my girlfriend broke up with me. Well, now he starts getting fees of nothing but my girlfriend broke up with me. So commit suicide mm-hmm. and get back and get back at her. And so he, he sees that for two weeks and he commits suicide. And so that's what these, these algorithms are looking for what holds your attention. And I think that's the reality. And whenever you just start doing that with a 16 year old kid, a 15 year old kid, you start to, it starts to feed them things that it's not healthy. Right. And the reality is, are, is the tech companies know it's not healthy. They're not, I mean, they, they, it would have taken some high tech technology to know that this was originating from Nigeria to a 16 year old kid in Starkville, Mississippi. Probably not a good idea. Um, and so that content filter, the Kids Online Safety Act does a pretty good job of that. And it passed out of the committee today, which is great news. Wow. Your courage is amazing. You are, um, through this, we don't know how many lives that you're going to save and are, you know, using using your story. And, and you have to be a strong person and and to 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 continue to do this because um you know we can only imagine what you're still in this healing process and probably will be but Kim and I always say that we're not going to go through something painful without giving it a purpose and you are exemplifying that um giving a purpose to your pain because we can't even imagine 
what it must be like to have to relive this story. And we're so grateful that you're willing to tell it and retell it and, you know, spread the awareness. I know it's, it's got to be gut wrenching every time, but we're, we're just so grateful to you for, like Kim said, you're saving lives by bringing awareness. We, we had no idea about some of these things and I'm sure that our listeners don't either. And so now we can start to join arms with you and, um, you know, help spread awareness and prevent prevention. Well, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, the interest in trying to make a difference. You know, we interesting you said that, that, you know, we, we, we've said from the beginning that the price, uh, I mean, an obvious heavy price has been paid by our family mm-hmm. and, and is, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to pay that price regardless if somebody else gets the benefit of it or not. Yeah. And so if, if they're, you know, um, willing and, and can see, then hopefully it will help somebody else. And, and we believe it will. We believe that, you know, when you get back into kind of the spiritual component of this as Christians, you know, we know that God's sovereign and we know that he, he's got a purpose in this and I don't understand it. And I don't understand how that works. I don't understand a lot of things about that, but uh, I do have faith that that's the truth. And uh, that's all I, that's all I can, that's all I can do. That's all I can um, believe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Now, if someone wanted to contact you, maybe to speak to their school, um, Mm -hmm. I can put your contact info in our show notes if that works for you. Yeah, it'd be fine. And, you know, most people, just like you got in touch with me, just look me up on Facebook. Uh, it's just Brian Montgomery right now. We're, we're talking about maybe starting a podcast ourselves. So we're just trying to decide what the what the next steps are. Uh, we want to do our part to tell people what's going on and keep people updated. So, um, but, you know, in the meantime, the best way is just through Facebook, really. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us and telling your story. And um, like we said, we know that you're saving lives through prevention, and we just so appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. So, Laura, after hearing this parent and thinking about uh, really this has only been a short time, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was what so was so surprising to me mm-hmm. was just the um, this has not that that they are out doing this work. Mm-hmm. And sharing this story while it is still, while very, it's still fresh. So very fresh, but as he said, this is something that just continues to um, grow mm-hmm. daily, and it has exploded. And I shared in the podcast that it is something that um, my kids struggle with at school, and I maybe have skirted that issue where I may need to give help. And I really think I did. There's a couple of aha moments that Mm -hmm. I can see times they are changing when we did uh, see that help from the um, National National Center. Center. Yeah. And then uh, also last night I saw a commercial for the first time about addiction to the algorithm. Wow. I'd never seen the commercial to get help. For that, and I'm I'm going to pay attention to see who is putting that ad out. But it just in the ad, it it shows a teenage girl, and she can't stop because they know, you know, this algorithm is is it's it's hitting it's a her, real thing, her, and um, you know, all those triggers mm-hmm. in her brain, and so she's really not stopping. And so, uh, you know, technology can be used for good, and it can be used for evil. And when you think about a child 
brain and and how it develops in a normal way. And when you put when you're putting adult um, situations in front of their eyes and they don't know what to do with that, mm-hmm. and then it just grows. That addiction just grows. And then we see this situation with this young man. And um, you know, I think the dad uh, just his little headedness yeah. and his you know um, how they're coping is their story telling of this and and uh and it is a bipartisan as he mentioned this this kids online safety act it should be right you know we're in the trenches with these kids as school counselors and we see the effects of what um technology can do mm-hmm. in a harmful way that's what so, i was thinking too like we say frequently we are uniquely positioned and we have access to kids teachers community members um and it just, it really does make you wonder, okay, what can we do? Yeah. Um, how do we do this? And I know in many parts of the U.S., we are starting to go back to school. In fact, the, the day this airs may be your first day back at school. But, um, you know, as we start this new school year, I am wondering what collectively school counselors can do. Um, again, you know, you said this is a bipartisan bill and so I just I just wonder what we can do to join on advocating for this cause. Yeah, absolutely. So that may be something that um, it will link if yeah. that's something that you want to look into. And um, and I think to next step for me is going to be to really um, put those posters that we received mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and to have that conversation, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, about if a child is being blackmailed, yeah. that they're because obviously, if they're making posters to this, it's happening. this is happening, and it's 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 happening to students where they are feeling hopeless, and there's well, there's nothing I can do now, and I think we've given that message sometimes. Yeah, and I'm thinking about how I can reword that and. I don't want that message to be a message of hopelessness. I don't want them to do it on the front end. Right. And so rethinking how I present that information is is a rethink for me, for sure. Well, and I just, what I can't get past is that this all happened in a matter of hours. And so no longer, you know, of course, yes, we need to um, bring awareness on the signs and what to look for. but this was a complete outlier. It didn't Mm -hmm. fit that mold that we train about and talk about. Um, And so I just, I think about, you know, over the years we've had to increase and talk about the dangers of bullying. And then we went to cyberbullying and, you know, in some situations we talk about sexting and things like that. And this is a whole other element Mm -hmm. that now we're going to need to figure out, okay, how do we bring this into our school counseling or school education program. And I don't I think too we don't need to see as as kids as um as this kid has got it all together, this kid doesn't yeah. have any problems. Those kids need coping skills too because a lot of times having raised a kid um some, you know we've raised our kids and we try to do all the right things, mm-hmm. but in doing all those things sometimes they don't have obstacles to overcome. And just because we're doing the right things mm-hmm. And so just being cognizant as a school counselor that I'm not going to assume that it's not important as as kids are required to. There's more and more coming at us every day. And so they have to have those coping skills and and what if situation, how do you 
how how can you see there's no situation that, that we want them to see as hopeless. So I just appreciate that message you so too. much that that uh, and the way it makes us rethink, you know, and that's maybe what we're doing and maybe you're doing some things that are working and you, that just inspires you to keep it going. Yeah. So, yeah. So a hard one today, but um, we appreciate if you stuck through there and listened to it and start a conversation. Let's, you know, what what can you do differently? What what can you add to combat this evil? 